0: On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large, complex mergers and acquisitions, smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the Deal Quest podcast. Let's get started. I am so excited, folks, um, whether you are joining us live or on Facebook here, or you're joining us uh, on the recorded version, which is going to be as usual on our all the audio uh, places that, that our podcast uh, uh, airs, which is pretty much all of them, uh, and, uh, or on the YouTube channel, because we've started also doing video. Uh, I have a returning guest. Uh, and Lee Lee Hayes and Lee and I were just talking. She was on the show a little over a year ago. Uh, it aired in March of last year, which you know is a bit of a demarcation point <laughs> that some of us, all of us, probably remember what was what started happening back then. We're going to talk about that. But before we get into it, I want to give her bio a little bit. And by the way, if you want to go back to her original episode and hear what was happening at that time in the speaker industry, and also. She had just gotten back from the Oscars with with this scarf that we're gonna we'll mention again. Um, you can uh, listen to that episode. It's episode fifty nine, and it's from March of uh, of twenty twenty. But uh, let me introduce for those of you who don't know Lee. Let me introduce Lee. She's an entrepreneur, TV show host, inventor, speaker agent. After two decades in big corporate, Lee Hayes took the entrepreneurial plunge and started Go Lee with Speaker Management, and that's really how we met. Was through originally through the speaker industry. Um, supporting a small stable of exceptional business keynote speakers. She works with associations, masterminds, corporations uh, to help them make their events wildly successful with keynotes that inspire, engage, and educate. And by the way, preview, that market's coming back (laughs) soon. (laughs) We're we're seeing it. We'll talk to her about that. In case uh, doing that full-time wasn't enough, she developed a product, the Cool Me Scarf, which beautifully and discreetly re- uh, relieves hot flashes during menopause. She now runs both companies, GoLewood LLC and Hug Company LLC, which manufactures the Cool Me scarf, and still sp- finds time to host uh, A Certain Age Celebrating Amazing Women, which can be seen on local cable in Connecticut and digitally everywhere on acertainage.tv.com. Lee Hayes, I'm so excited to have you back and live on the Deal Quest podcast.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I am thrilled to be here because, like you said, the last time we met was the beginning of the end, and now we're meeting again, and it's the end of the end and the beginning of whatever's coming next.
0: Right, right. The beginning of the new beginning. Um, I hate that. I hate that term "new normal." I try not to, you know, use it because I, I, you know, I don't know that anything's ever normal, but but I do think it is a new, uh, you know, yeah, it is a new era. I don't think we're actually going back to anything. Uh, I think it's, you know, I think there's some things that have permanently changed, but we'll talk about all of that. Um, so, uh, so Lee, yeah, so let's, um, last time we spoke, uh, it was the very start, you know, of the pandemic, right? It was February, you were at the Oscars with, you, with your new scarf product. We talked about you building international, pro- you know, manufacturing and, and production. And, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the speaker industry, which at that point was still as we knew it, <laughs> um, and a few things have changed in the last uh, year, 13, 14 months. Uh, so uh, what do you want to hit first? Do you want to talk speaker industry or you want to give us an update on this What Where do you want to go?
1: Where do I want to go? Well, I mean, I guess just talking a little bit about both and what happened when COVID happened. It happened to everybody, so everyone can commiserate. That business tanked. So this, just an interesting thing about Amazon that I learned, because I was on the wrong end of it, is here I have this product that's ramping up, right? I'm at the Oscars with the Pointer Sisters and we're wearing the scarf and, and Kathy Garver, like all these really cool people, James Bond. Oh my God. Um, he didn't wear the scarf, but he had me draped on him. Right. And then it just crashed. So I, I come back, I'm all excited and, and, you know, good morning. Connecticut says we want to have you on our show because hometown mom goes to Hollywood and then a week later they're like, "Oh, we're canceling. We're we're going mm-hmm. off the, you know, everything is going to be um every, everything is canceled." Yep. And then I get a note a few weeks so nothing like my my scarf just dies. I thought, "What's happening?" I get a message from Amazon that says, "Please be advised, your product has been deprioritized." And it's what happened was, right? So you have Amazon, which is this giant and a lot of people still don't understand how Amazon works. They think that there's this giant store called Amazon and they have everything right there and they right. just, you know, send everything out. And what they don't realize is Amazon's actually, they do have Amazon stuff, but it's also a conglomerate of all these individual businesses that when you send your money to Amazon, they then send it to somebody else who then they ship to you. So it's lots of moving pieces. And what they said was, anything that was not pandemic related, you're off the books. We are that you you got pulled back from the website. No one could find you. So unless you were a mask, a pair of gloves, or disinfectant, forget it. Amazon was completely overwhelmed. Um, yeah. I don't know about you, but I tried to find paper towels. Our paper towels were gone, and no, I no, find had, yeah, it, was yeah, that's crazy. It. it was
0: crazy. Yeah.
1: And I find this one box on Amazon and I get a note saying we'll ship in five weeks.
0: Yeah. And yeah. we're a
1: prime member.
0: Right. <laughs> right. Right. Right.
1: Right. So yeah. So that's All that's right. what so you're outside
0: excited, come back from the Oscar, you launch this new project, you, uh, product, you're getting traction, right? Getting
1: traction. Yep.
0: You're getting traction, right? It's exciting. You got some good, you know, press on it. Pandemic hits. And, you know, and it's really interesting. I mean, I've been talking about this a lot on how, in hindsight, we've seen that there was a, uh, you know, this K economy that happened in the pandemic, where there were actually some industries that, not only continued to do well but actually boomed right i know oh, people yeah. who got into ppe and that kind of stuff or whatever even a lot of my clients is in clients in financial services and tech did fine in yeah. fact very well some of them but then you had all this other stuff retail restaurants you name it whatever which is on that downstroke of the k and you got obviously your scarf business got caught up in that
1: oh yeah so my scarf business died my speaker business took a huge hit but oh. you're right some of my speakers actually did very well one of them uh she does websites she designed websites she launches things she said i have never had such a good year in my life because everything suddenly became online she went how can i help you took off um but but most of the business right so i i came in two waves the first wave was everyone just the breaks and just canceled events were just canceled left and right oh my god it's the end of the world right end it um, and then after a few weeks, few couple months, even some people said, okay, all right, we're going to postpone. We're not canceling. We're just going to postpone. It's okay. We'll postpone till fall, you know, November, December. Well, guess what happened right. then? In October, I start getting calls going, oh my God, what do we do? Like We can't do this yet. Um, But now, like you said, the new normal, it's I think the world is for business wise and event wise <clears throat> is going to a better place now because yeah. everyone used to be live and then it became, oh my God, online, we have to do online. And now businesses, they say their events are booming because they're doing hybrids.
0: Right. And
1: right. I love the idea of being doing a hybrid because there's so many events I would like to go to, but there's a limit, right, Corey? I mean, you're like, I can only travel so many places But if I can do, you know, these three live and those three hybrid and I can sit at home and watch them, I'm in. I'll buy a ticket. Yep. So I think in that regard, the new normal for events is wonderful. You know, I think it's great that that the industry is actually going to expand now.
0: You know, I think so, too. It's interesting. Uh, Very early on in the pandemic. So this is this is I think also March of last year. I was supposed to, yeah, I was supposed to fly to Miami to go to, uh, uh, we have uh, somebody you know as well from NSA, Michelle Villalobos, uh, I believe so, Michelle, right? So Michelle was having one of her events and I was going to fly to uh, uh, to uh, Miami uh, to attend it. And this is when things first locked down and she pivoted, you know, very scrambled pivoted to virtual, right? Uh, and, you know, she was great. She was like, hey, never done it this way before. This is an experiment. Bear with me. You know, uh, if you signed up for this one, we'll do it virtual. You'll also get to come to a live one whenever that is, right? Smart, smart pivot on our part. Mm-hmm. Well, by the end of the first day, we had all, you know, she we were debriefing it, like, uh, with her. You know, she asked for feedback after the first day. And we had all come to the conclusion. I said to her, and she said, I was thinking the same thing. You know, she does, I think, five of these a year. Um, you know, she concluded, and that first one, that she's probably going to do at least two of those going forward virtually. Mm-hmm. right? Because people, you know, people were able to, you know, take a break and walk their dogs, see their kids, uh, they didn't have to get on the plane, you know. And at the same time, there is obviously something that's different about being in person. And, uh, you know, I know what I'm seeing, like, as things have started to open up, certainly in the speaker space. I mean, I, I also feel like things are going to come back more quickly than some predicted, whether I it's so. travel, whether it's vacation, whether it's speaker in, in convention events, because there is this pent up um, desire to be with people. Mm-hmm. And the minute people feel safe, and obviously with the vaccines and all that kind of stuff, a lot more people are failing. The CDC is, you know, changing its guidelines, right, in terms of outdoor masking and that kind of stuff. So uh, so I, I really think, I mean, you know, uh, the uh, one of the high-end speaker groups within NSA is uh, having a mastermind in Vegas in June. Uh, and, you know, like a number of us are like just dying to just get together, you know, like, so, yeah. So, so, um, any case, yeah. So what are you, uh, what are you seeing then? Let's focus on focus on the speaker space for a second in terms of sort of, you know, uh, bookings for your clients in terms of, uh, how, if and how any kind of, you know, speaker deals have been impacted, um, you know, whether it's fees, whether it's structuring, whether it's whatever, what are you saying?
1: So it's, it, yeah, the deals have changed, um, in, in some regard. And it's funny, I, in the very beginning when this happened and everyone was going virtual before we could go hybrid, I recommended to my speakers, I said, we need to adjust price, we yep. have to. And I had, a, I had not my group, I have a pretty flexible group I work with, but I had some speakers and I heard them saying, absolutely not, if I'm worth 10,000 on stage, the value the value if I'm worth 10,000, it's the value. And I'm like, but here's the thing, right? I remember that from the economy class, demand and price, right? right? You have to flex according to the economy. And what was happening was so many events said, look, we're going to do the event, but the tickets were $500 live. They, in person, it was 500 because we were serving lunch and we were had a hotel room. We're charging 50 bucks for the online version. Right. Right. So let's just think about this speakers. I know you're still valuable. But if they're only making $50 an attendee instead of $500 an attendee, they don't have the funds. So here's right. the choice. Either you can be flexible with your fee or you're not getting on that stage. Um, so that I think that was a big deal. And I and I did have a number of speakers who did very well because they just started snapping up these small amounts. You know, these were people who were $30,000 on on stage. But when this first hit, they said, $5,000, we'll do yeah. a virtual thing for you. We'll help you out. And you know what? They were doing one after another. And the ones that I saw anyway who claimed, oh, I'm still getting my 30,000, they they did one, right? Because the money wasn't there.
0: You know what's interesting? I mean, I, um, in general, you know, when I teach my negotiating trainings, when I talk to my clients, whatever, right? I, I generally believe in owning your value, right? And not negotiating, you know, like, you know, as a lawyer whatever, my rate is my rate. I don't, somebody says- I can find somebody cheaper. I, I say to them, well, if you think they're going to do as good of a job as we will, use them, right? right. Um, you know, because I, I, I'm very thoughtful about what we charge. I know we give value out or beyond that. And and I'm, you know, big in that. Having said that, um, I made different choices as a speaker. I didn't need to do it in a law firm. side. So law firm side, we were busier than ever. Had an amazing year. So there were a lot of deals going on because, you know, a lot of my clients were on that up. Turn And even on the downturn side, there are deals that happen in in, in the stress situation.
1: Yeah, you lawyers but, do well either way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it was very different. Back in, um, back in 2000, you know, in the Great Recession, I actually got crushed. Because oh. that was a whole different market, you know, for me. There were no deals going on. Clients were going out of business. So, you know, but in any case, I know you're kidding. But the, um, but the thing is that, um, I you know, what we, I think what you're pointing out um, is, and it's the difference when I talk about uh, getting clarity and owning your value, I also talk about one of the big reasons negotiations fail is rigidity. Mm-hmm. Right. So yep. there's one thing to own your value and say whatever, but then you also have to recognize, which is what you're pointing out, change in circumstances. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not like, you know, it's one thing if, if a speaker, uh, you know, an event manager, speaker bureau, whatever it is, you know, is just undervaluing you because they're undervaluing you. Okay, that, then I'm saying, but if they're saying our circumstances change because we're getting we're getting one-tenth of the revenue that we used to from this event, mm-hmm. we don't have a budget. It's not a slight on you. I 100% agree with you. And, and you know, and I adjusted to, for virtual stuff. And listen, here's the other thing. I don't have to get on a plane, stay in a hotel. You know, a speaking gig is is I walk into my studio I sit down for an hour, right, as opposed to being away for two days. Mm -hmm. That's also, you know, uh, a factor. Um, So I agree. I adjusted. And, listen, frankly, I did a number of talks uh, on negotiating for uh, several of the uh, Entrepreneurs' Organization chapters in the Middle East, and they had been talking about trying to bring me over for several years and it hadn't happened. And now doing those virtual talks has actually made it, more likely they're going to bring me because they got a taste of me. They're yeah. excited. They're referring me and they're like, "When this thing's open up. We got to get you here to do something bigger. Right. So it's actually, you know, been good. So any case, I'm in your camp.
1: And that's the same thing that happened here is that the deal became, yes, they'll do something virtually, virtual for you now. We'll make it cheaper, but then have them, as soon as we open up, they'll be the keynote. They'll, you know, so you start working the deal that happens down the road, anticipating that's coming versus just going, you can't afford me? Forget it. Slam the door. I yeah. don't believe in slamming doors. Yeah. I always like to keep my foot in there and say, you know what? Let's see what we can do now, so that we can work again in the future. Love and, it. you know, and just and just you know the way I negotiate. I'm not sure the way you teach it. I, I want to hear you know when we we could talk about how we used to do it. But what I do when I call is the net, the first thing I don't ask is what's your budget when you when you're talking to an event planner. Yep. My first question to them is. How many people? Actually, my first 10 questions, right? How many people are you having? Are you char- it's a charged event? Really? What are you charging? Do you have a VIP group? Etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And as they're talking, my little mind's going tick, 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 tick. Here's how much money is coming in. I know that, you know, sponsors really? Do you have big sponsor tables? Ten thousand dollars a sponsor, no kidding. Tick, 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 tick. And then I go, okay, I know they have hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That's what their revenue should be. Now then, what can they afford as a speaker? And So when I started talking to them during, you know, during COVID when everything was closed down, are you having sponsors? Nope. They've all dropped out. We're, you know, virtually we're selling 50 bucks a piece. If the money's not there, you simply can't get blood from a stone. So,
0: yeah. And and listen, you know, I, you know, it's, it's become a cliche, but some people it's only a cliche and some people really, really live in it and believe in it. And it's all relationships.
1: Oh, yes. Right.
0: So when, when, when it's a challenging time, you know, and again, again, I believe in owning your value, but being in some sort of rigid ego place, you know, when your partners is the way you should be looking at them are struggling, uh, you know, not to help them through, I think is short-sighted, um, you know, and I think it, it, it hurts you in the long run.
1: Yep. Although I don't believe in free. I'm a big, no free person. And even if they're struggling, say, that's okay, I'm still bringing value I need to get value back. You yeah. know, some people go, because well, in the beginning that happened. I don't know if you saw that with with your the speakers. I know you you know a lot of speakers. Mm-hmm. So many speakers were suddenly doing free work. I'm going, stop it. Not free. Free means no value. No free.
0: And, and and let's clarify that because I've had this discussion with folks and I think you and I have had it as well. So I really want to clarify for the audience. Uh, when, when, when you say no free, or let me put it this way. I actually speak for no money sometimes. I never speak for no value.
1: That's what I mean. No money's right. okay.
0: That's what I wanted to be clear on. Like yep. I give an example where there's a, there's a, there's a very targeted M&A conference in the investment advisor space. That's my, one of my single, it's actually my single biggest niche, right? Mm. That, that conference attracts 150 owners of investment advisory firms who are looking to do deals. You couldn't define a better target market for me, Right. Mm. That conference doesn't pay a speaker fee. It doesn't even cover my travel and hotel. Right? There's some, By the way, by the way, other uh, other companies and associations out there. This is not my usual model. I rarely do this, but yeah. it, like, but I, okay. I I will. But pay their audience is
1: pure that. gold, right? I mean,
0: it's pure gold, right? And for me, I booked. I've spoken three out of the last six years there, right? I I, I uh, this past one, i I'd have to go back and look at the data, but the one before that, right? I booked over six figures right? Mm-hmm. Coming out of that, yep. right? Now, I, listen, I'm not a six-figure keynoter at this point, right? Nobody's cutting me a check for six figures to get on a stage. Um, so whatever the speaker fee would have been, right? You know, five grand, 10 grand, 15 grand. I mean, compared to booking, you know, what is, you know, 10 times that, uh, 100, whatever. Plus, plus, by the way, it's with folks I have on clients now I have ongoing relationships with. So it's going to be for years to come on the law firm side. It would be crazy for me to turn that away because I'm getting value. So, yeah, I just wanted to make that distinction here. There's a difference between we say don't speak for free. What we mean is don't speak without getting value in some way.
1: Yeah, exactly. Thank you for clarifying. That's absolutely what I mean. It, in fact, it's funny. I was once at an event and uh, Jeffrey Hazlett, I don't know if you know him, is CEO. Sure. So he's up there and he's, he's the keynote speaker and he's talking and he's like, never speak for free, never speak for free if they don't pay you, blah, blah, blah. And I followed him. And now, you know, I'm not a speaker, but I was there for specific reasons. I was on a panel and I get up and Jeffrey Hazlett now is sitting in the audience looking at me and I go, I go, here's the end of my career. I can see it now. (laughs) The keynote was just on stage and said, never speak for free. And I'm going to disagree with him. And I go, what I think is never speak for no value. And he gave me a thumbs up and I go, Oh, thank God, my career's not over. Because I get to see him being like, never deal with Lee Hayes again. He goes, he's like, Yep, yep. Um, but that's the truth. But you but you need to see the big picture when you're a speaker. The deal is a big picture. It's the audience, like you said. It's can you make sometimes they'll say, you know, you're not gonna pay me, but I'll give you the mailing list. Heck yes, right? right now you have their mailing list. Or we're gonna have media there and I will set up an interview for you. And Let me clarify. Just because the media is there doesn't mean anything. They need to set up an interview for you. But, you know, and and we'll promote you. We'll put you on our social media X times. We'll promote you through our email X times. All these things have that. Oh, we'll take video and give you the video and it's going to be good video. Cause you know, that right. As a speaker, you can never have enough video. Yeah. What, so what, what valuable. would you
0: pay for a great three camera shoot? You know, that if you had to do it on your own, right. Yeah, if You pay a couple thousand
1: bucks to bring somebody in to take the, the video and you can never have enough video. So that's value. So yeah. absolutely got to play for the value. And that's not going to change now. It's, I think there was more focus on value during COVID because there wasn't as much cash. Right. But now as the cash comes back, don't forget about that value. So many speakers forget about it. they just look at the fee and they're going, well, I'm back to my 10,000. Yeah doesn't even if you get the 10, you still want yeah. the sponsorship table selling your books, getting the media, you know all these things right
0: And there's so many ways to be creative. I mean uh, one thing I remember I did at, it was actually at one of those conferences that, that I'm mentioning that I mentioned before the MA conference uh, when my book came out right a few years ago. I was speaking that year and uh, I said to the, uh, I said to the organizer, and again, remember, this is 150 people, target market couldn't be more mm-hmm. perfect. I said, how about I get a, I give away a book to every attendee?" They're like, Oh my God, that would be amazing. Right. It's a value for them. Right. Everybody's getting a free book uh, on negotiating from, you know, an attorney who is known in this particular niche. Right. Mm-hmm. To me, it's unbelievable. Right. I, I mean, I, you know, I spent $4 a person you know, for 150 of my ideal target market clients who now have a book, you know, my book. And not only that, but I noticed that there was a uh, one evening of the conference that there was an early dinner and nothing scheduled afterwards. And I said to the organizer, I said, listen, um, would you mind if I, so I, I got a suite as opposed to a regular uh, room. And I said to the, the conference organizer, would you mind if I, can I announce or will you announce to me on the program? Right, you know, before dinner, after dinner, whatever that you know, there's an after dinner event up at my suite, and I'll be doing a book signing. Yeah, right. He said, sure, right. (laughs) Announced it, right. I spent 500 bucks on alcohol, you know, for you know, brought up some scotch and some whatever from the hotel. Uh, you know, spent a little extra money on a suite and sat and signed and signed books for people, right? I mean, and, and got got you know, got pictures, got whatever that I was able to post on social with all these key players, you know, in the industry, which I was able to leverage. I mean, the value of that is, you know, it's how does that work? Right.
1: I think some speakers forget that a book's not a book, right? A book is a business card that they're going to keep on their desk in their office for the next couple of years.
0: Yeah. With your
1: name on it and your information on it. It's
0: fantastic. Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to a new way to determine your deal readiness. I created a fast and easy assessment that will determine exactly how deal ready you are. Once you complete the assessment, I use your responses to identify the obstacles that are holding you back from being a deal-driven growth genius. It's as easy as heading to coreycupfer.com slash assessment. That's coreycupfer.com assessment and filling out a few multiple choice questions. I'll be checking in after the episode to see what your results are. Now back to the show. Um, What are you seeing now? We sort of brought it up. We said things are starting to go. Hybrid's going to be. What are you seeing? I mean, I'm I'm seeing, you know, more and more live conferences starting to come back. Uh, You know, what what are you seeing over there?
1: Same thing. They are starting to come back. Either they're already going live. I have a speaker at an event in New Jersey in two weeks. Uh, Florida's wide open. Florida's always been wide open, right? Right. Uh, The wild, wild west of Texas is wide open. They're having events. Utah's wide open. They're having live events. Um, and so there's there are definitely these plans in certain areas for live, but there's also the biggest surge I'm seeing is people planning for 2022, that they are absolutely sure and secure that it's going to be a full ride. Um, so that's exciting to see that, that I actually have bookings on there for my speakers for 2022 already.
0: Great. Because
1: 2021 is a little shaky. People are still going, well, it's going to be hybrid, I think you know, but 2022, they're going, let's go, let's do this big events. So it's, it's exciting to see it opening up.
0: So what, what are you doing? Um, you know, sort of the, the setup for the deal with your speakers, you know, it's, uh, I mean, what, what's the pitch? What's the, how is it different than what it was pre-pandemic?
1: Um, I think there's more focus now on that hybrid event. So I have speakers who are doing more uh, more little things for the client. So they're still focusing on the big keynote on stage, yep. but there's more of, let me do something for you on social media. Let me do a Facebook live, right? Let me do, I had a speaker last night who did a meet and greet on LinkedIn um, yep. and the client was wildly happy about that. And I think it's it's important to not push back on clients because again, I've seen some speakers who nickel and dime, right? They'll say, Well, I'll do the the keynote, but if you want me to do the Facebook Live for 15 minutes, that's another, you know, thousand dollars. If you want me to do the promo video, that's another. And I think I believe you get more success if you go all in on the client. Once you have that speaker fee, you need to in this day and age give more. Um you know, do do the social media, do the whatever. It's not a lot of time for you, but it's a lot of value for the client and it's going to help them with this hybrid feel. Because uh, one thing I've definitely seen is that speakers who are good on stage are not necessarily good on camera and vice versa. So yeah, practice and, and, both and be able to right. deliver both.
0: And here's the other thing that I've heard even from uh, great speakers I know um, who are actually have done well on... Uh, in, in both environments, mm-hmm. doing it hybrid is a whole other thing. It's, it's a challenge, right? Like in other words, you could be great on video and great on, on stage, but when you have to do both and work to a live audience and also a, uh, you know, a remote audience into a camera, that's a whole different thing as well. And and frankly, um, I haven't done one. I haven't done a hybrid event, you know, yet I've been doing, you know, plenty of video and, and we have some live stuff coming up, but um Uh, But, you know, I've I've spoken to a number of my speaker colleagues, and that's, you know, to to sort of balance that and have, and how do you, you know, because your engagement tools for live audience are different than your engagement tools for a, you know, for a remote, you know, for a virtual audience. And now when you have both, how do you do it in a way where you're not leaving out one group or the other? Like, it raises a lot of things for speakers.
1: Absolutely right. I mean, I think I see you need to treat the camera like it's another attendee. So you've got your audience here, and then it's like, hey, how are you guys doing at home? Um, I, th- You know what? I'm willing to bet that's what teachers have been going through because, you know, the, my yeah. kids have been home from school. But then when they went back, I, my, my sons were telling me, they said they're paying more attention to one or the other. So if you're at home and they're paying attention to the camera, the kids in the class, my, my one son went back early and he said, Mom, I want to come back home because I'm only looking right. at the back of the teacher's head. They're, you know, <laughs> they're not paying any attention to the people in the classroom because there's nobody here. And I can see speakers having that same issue on stage that you forget about one or the other. And you're, yeah. you're absolutely right. You need to balance it. You have people out there and people out there.
0: Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a challenge. And But going back to your point about what you package into the deal to the speaker fee, mm-hmm. you know, for me, that part of that comes down to, well, two things. One is, and something I've, I speak about a lot in, I don't mean to speak, speak will say it, but speak right. to my speaker colleagues about a lot, um, is And I think this pandemic has, you know, has highlighted it for a lot of folks. And I've been talking about it for years. You know, I come from the business side, right? I started speaking as an adjunct to my law firm and then, you know, broke it off into a separate brand and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Um, So I'm always looking at business models. And part of the issue is if you only make your money being on a stage and you have no business model that drives people to other, you know, revenue sources, right? Whether it's online courses, whether it's consulting, whether it's, you know, uh, masterminds, whether it's workshops, you know, wh- whatever, whatever it might be. Right. Or ancillary businesses like, you know, meet with me with a law firm or, um, then, uh, you know, every dollar you get related to your speaker fee and your time is, is highlighted, right. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in your mind because that's the only way you're making money. And obviously we've learned in the pandemic that if that's the only way you're making money, you you have a vulnerable business model, right. Yes. Um, so, so that's, you know, that's the first point. And then, frankly, and this is just human psychology, um, coming out of a time when a lot of speakers have suffered, especially the ones that that um, either didn't pivot or didn't have other things in their business model, right? They were mm-hmm. keynoteers on stage, and that was it. Um, there, there could be this easy human tendency to want to make up for the money you've lost, right, and get sort of stingy or mm-hmm. attracted, you know, around, you know, not, you know, about wanting to make the most you can for the, you know, and, um, and I think it's, I think it's, a, you know, it's a, it's a huge mistake because people sense that, that energy. And if the more sort of contracted or desperate you seem, the less, the less attractive you are to, uh, you know, to folks. Well, it's, it's,
1: it's like what you just said before. It's about relationships. And part of the relationship is giving as well as receiving. Yeah. So you have to say, you know, we're in this together. Let's, Let's make it work. You know, let's both make huge amounts of money. You're going to pay me. I'm going to help you. Yeah. And, um, but it's interesting what you said about the pivot. So as a speaker agent, I had to do the same thing because there were no events going on. Yep. Um, and it used to be that speakers would come to me and say, hey, can you help me get on stage? You know, I, I'm I'm not that, I don't quite know how to get there. Like you said, speaking is a business and so many speakers forget that when they're starting yep. out. They think speaking yep. is an art. Yep. Um, it's not. The art is like, I think I calculated one 17% of your business. And when you're a speaker is your stage presence, the rest yeah. of it is all business. Yep. And so what I did during the pandemic and I'm still doing now because like, it's, I think what's going to continue is now when speakers come to me and say, can you represent me? And I say, absolutely not because you're, not, you know, <laughs> you're not ready yet for an agent, but let me help you get there. Yes. So I'm starting to teach speakers the business of speaking. You know, they still go and they learn stage presence and they write their keynote and all that. That's not what I do. But I teach them all that background stuff, the negotiating, the deal, the contracts, how to get there, how to position yourself, how to market, what's your, you know, all those aspects, which are easily uh, ignored Yeah. Um, for the exciting part of the spotlight. So good stuff. Yep. yeah
0: all right so let's let's talk about pivoting let's pivot the conversation for a moment uh all right. so so we we left off uh we didn't intentionally create this as a cliffhanger or anything but we left off where your 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 scarf business died because amazon said you are not ppe you're not sanitizer you're not whatever we are deep prioritizing meaning goodbye mm-hmm. um what obviously the world has changed on that end as well and people are buying other products and um and is it, just as a little aside, then I want to come back to the direct question to you. What's interesting to me is, you know, even in product stuff, like, for example, I've got a, a buddy uh, who was in one of my entrepreneurs organization forum, forums who one of his businesses is doing super high-end audio uh, equipment, uh, and that business is booming. Mm-hmm. Why? Because, first of all, it's high-end, so it's for people who – you know, had means and, you know, uh, and had some more cushion and leeway during this time. Second of all, and who are, who are more likely the people who can work from home, right. They're not out delivering food and, you know, uh, in restaurants, or whatever. Um, and because they were home so much more, people were spending money, you know, they weren't spending money on vacations or going out to eat or whatever, but they were, if they're going to be home more, they wanted a higher end audio, you know, uh, you know, system or, and it's many other things that people invested in, in terms of home. Right. Um, So his business, you know, was, you know, was really, really boomed over this time. But, um, so, but, so as things have changed and opened up though, um, what has happened in terms of the scarf?
1: Well, so the decline happened more and longer. So a big box store, which was looking at it, um, started closing their stores. We won't talk about them, but they, they closed quite a few of their stores. So that was a hit. Um, I had a buyer I was working with. He said, not this is not working right now. So he dropped me. That was a hit. Um, but actually I I discovered a really cool model recently. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Lily, but I'm gonna I'm gonna promote Zoolily right now. Yep. they're they're owned, I believe, by QBC. Okay. Um, but anyone who does home shopping, they know how that works. So you you watch the TV, the product comes up, and they show you the product, and then you have, you know, 30 minutes to buy yep. and it's gone. Well, Zoolily is owned by I think it's QBC. Um, they do an online version of this, where if you are a member, you can't shop there unless you've given them your email and you get regular emails, of the product. And what they do is they bring new products every day. They call it a new store every day. So it becomes this exciting thing, right? That every day you go, Ooh, let me see what Zulily has today. Um, as a vendor, it was exciting when they picked up my product, but it's, but it's a flash, but it was my flash to get going again. Um, that they brought it on and you hit their landing page the first day. So yep. you know, all these things go out and your sales go crazy and you get a purchase order the first day with the list. You know, their whole model is really cool because they do all the shipping. They do everything. You just, they just give you a number. They go, we want this many scarves. You throw them in a box, ship it. You're done. And they take care of everything else. Um, so that was awesome, but it was just like the home shopping network. So you, you hit the landing page the first day, you have all these sales and then you go to the back, like the second page, third page, and then they drop you off.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but, but that was my big, my big back. So now, you know, I've got to get back into Amazon going again. I've Amazon sales have started, but I haven't started advertising there yet. Yep. Um, one problem I have with my product is it's a scarf and there are still many PPE products called scarves, you know, all those gator scarves and things like that. So when you have a hundred thousand uh, people selling a product by the same name, which does something different, that still makes it a little bit tough. Right, so I'm biding my time
0: So people to find it, know what it is, whatever you are getting drowned out. So. Right.
1: But if, yeah, but if you're looking up, you know, scarf, the, the menopausal scarf is not the first thing that comes up, right. It will be right. PPE products. Um, but it's starting to come up again. This, the surge is happening. So Zulily gave, uh, gave me the kick in the pants um, to get me going again. And then, oh, I got featured on um, um, Alibaba, which is a big importer. Yeah. The yeah. other day I saw my name pop up on social media. I was like, wow. And they had this big feature about me. I went, oh, that's really cool. Uh, because they had featured me a year ago. I remember that. you Because right? uh,
0: that was happening when we actually recorded the Yeah, the that US they, they podcast.
1: came to my house and they had a film crew. It was so cool. Um, yeah. But then everything tanked there too. So now they must be reviving things. And I was like, hey, I'm part of their revival. So <laughs> I can see that all these things are starting to come back up again. So it's exciting. Um You know, and menopause doesn't go out of fashion.
0: No, it's, it's, uh, (laughs) that is one thing that, um, that is great for that product, right? Because it's just going to, there's always going to be a market, right? There's always
1: a market. There's always another person going, oh my God, you know, we, we all keep getting older for all you youngsters out there. Guess what? You can't beat it. You're going to get older too.
0: (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully because the alternative, (laughs) right. Um, well, good stuff. So it's interesting. any other. So um, I know you sort of relayed uh, how the different industries in your business were impacted uh, by the pandemic. Um, any lessons that you know, you personally have, have learned, uh, you know, coming out of this, I think we've all learned lessons in this crazy time. Uh, anything that comes to mind, uh, business wise, deal wise, uh, entrepreneurial, whatever uh, that you want to share?
1: Well, deal wise, you know, I just love to share with my potential clients. And that is, you know, I, the bigger I get, the more competitors I have. So when I had one or two speakers, I never heard anything about agencies because they didn't care. And now when I talk to clients, because my clients are bigger, they'll say, Oh, we're looking at a few agencies. So in their mind, I'm starting to look like an agency, but my learning on that was how to differentiate Mm. because I think many people now who um, are starting to put events on. Events are opening up, are contacting agencies to find speakers. Cause I think speakers have, have diminished, right? There have been 100%. people who have dropped off. They, they want to be speakers. 100%. They've given up. They're out.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so people are starting to re- out, reach out to agencies. And here's my advice to them, um, being really listen to the first thing that the potential agency says to you, because it's going to impact your whole relationship with them. And if you contact an agency and the first question they ask you is, what's your budget? Mm. Hang up the phone and walk away. Because here's what happens. Because I've had to deal with agencies, right? There have been times when I have clients that have said, you know, get whoever, some big name speaker. And then I have to go to an agency. And um, I'll give you one of my, the horror story. The, the first time I discovered this is somebody wanted Sugar Ray Leonard. Remember Sugar Ray? Of course. They said, we want Sugar Ray to speak at our event. So I I... I Googled him and I went to his his website and they said, all right, here's our agent contact them. So I contact them. I said, I, I talked to sugar Ray Leonard's personal assistant. They said, come to you. I have a client. They would love to have him speak. And they said, okay, what's your budget. I said, "All right. My budget is blah, blah, blah. We're looking for sugar Ray Leonard. They said, okay, thank you. And then they sent me information about like eight different boxers, athletes, Olympic people, I'm going, where the heck? Well, they just sent me my budget. Right. They didn't care about what my client was looking for. Now, Sugar Ray was on the list down yep. below, but I guess my budget didn't quite match with his budget. So they were looking at the money. So I sent a, an email to his office. I said, just be advised that I specifically called them and said, Hey, I want a contract with him. And they gave me everybody else, but but him. So, so be aware as a client, if you go to an agency and they say, what's your budget? That's where the the conversation stops and they will find you people in that budget and send those people back to you. What I try to do, what's different is if you come to me, Corey, and you say, I have $50,000 for this event. I want somebody great. Well, I might go, you know what? I have this guy who is perfect for you. Perfect for you. He's a $25,000 speaker. Yeah. You know. Many agencies will go, but he'll do it for 50 and they'll take your full funds or they'll only give you people at that range and not the people who are the best fit for you, for your needs, but who are the best fit for you financially. Right. So I think that's my big learning right now. The big learning I want to pass on is figure out what is your need? What is your focus? And for most event planners, their focus should be next year's event. You want this year's event to already set you up for the next one that when people are leaving after your closing keynote or even after the opening keynote, they are so excited and juiced and they've gotten so much content that they go, I got to come next year and you sell your tickets right there for next year. So now year over year, you're growing. So you need that great, you need that great speaker. You need, you need the great content. You need the great event. Um, I've seen a lot of events where they'll try to, make the buck, right the short buck and they'll say, "Well, I'm going to charge people, but I'm not going to pay any speakers. I'm going to find free people." And there are free people out there. Yep. Right because they're selling something. Yep. Um and I don't mean like, you know, you're selling a service, but I mean, you know, oh, we have the the marketing director for Google. Well, great. They're going to talk about Google. It might not help yep. you, but they're free because Google's paying them. Right. But then so you're at the event and you go, "Oh, I learned all about Google." Um
0: Right, right. A lot of those speakers are going to spend too much time pro- on promoting their, brand. their product as opposed to giving value. And some of them may be super, you know, uh, competent executives, but they're not professional speakers. So, oh God. Executives are so bad, them. Corey,
1: I'm sure you've seen them. They're awful. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but then, but what happens then is you're not building year over year. So everyone goes, oh well, that was mediocre. And I think I spent too much and yep. one and done. You've got to do something that's going to wow people. That's going to make them say, I want to come back.
0: So let me uh, let me close, well, I, I have a, a thought that I want to run by you and see whether it's, it actually just sort of came to me. I've been thinking about it a little bit. I, I think there's going to be this window. You know, so you talked about how you believe, and I, I agree, that speakers, you know, when, when these uh, events will make a lot less money because they went virtual, that a speaker should be flexible, right? I think as we come back, now, obviously, as long as there's limitations and you can't have as many people, it's the economics are not going to work. But I think the smart folks that you're talking about are booking out into 2022. When I think we're probably going to be back to you know uh, full capacity. Um, I mean, and whether they have you know requirements that you have a test or a vaccine or whatever, you know, that's all separate conversation. But I think in some way we're going to be back. Um, I think the smart uh, folks are. You still, I mean, you can get amazing deals with hotels and venues and whatever. Nowadays they're dying. I mean, even at our micro level, I'm finishing up my. You know my uh, uh, presidency year uh, with uh NSA, National Speaking Association New York chapter, which has been a weird year because we've been totally virtual. And my uh, the, the June luncheon we're going we're going uh, to, to do our first live event, and it's where it's basically where twenty minutes into it I hand over uh, everything to the new president, of the new board. So, only my <laughs> one live event. Uh, but here um, I
1: am. Goodbye. Here I am. Goodbye. Exactly. You yeah. um, know.
0: <laughs> But, um, you know, but what, what we're seeing even in, like, looking to, you know, book, you know, venues for that thing or whatever is that, you know, I mean, these venues are dying to get people in. They have flexible cancellation policies and they've got, you know, you get really good deals. So I think some of the smart, you know, conferences or a lot of them are probably, you know, locking in amazing rates with these hotels and venues now for their 2022 events. And I, I think because people in my mind aren't really, you know, keen to get back live When things open up, I think they're going to be able to get you know full pricing on the live events, so they're actually going to have more profit in my mind for a temporary stretch, probably for 2022, right? Because you know things will people booking in 2022 for 2023, the prices will be back, will probably be back up. So I think there's this unique opportunity uh, deal-wise, this sort of arbitrage that's going to happen with the smart um, companies and associations and planners who are booking now for 2022 events to book in at a low price, which in my mind actually maybe leaves a little extra room for speaker money. You know, so I don't know what you think, but that's that's what I've been thinking.
1: Yeah, no, I, I I agree that I think you can be, you know, at at you want you can be where you want to be with your speaker rate. Um because the money is coming back. And you're right. I think now is now is a great time to make deals. Absolutely. Be yeah. bold, you know, you, Now, granted, some sometimes you're going to lose. Right. But I think I think the time is now to plan those big events. Like you said, there are deals to be made, there are deals to be had um, and the speakers are going to be able to, to pay their bills again, too.
0: Love it. Is anything else you want to uh, let people know about? How do, how do people connect with you? Where do they reach you? Where do they watch this uh, the show that you do? Uh, give us your contact information so people know where to get find more.
1: Okay, that. everybody, grab a pencil. There's a lot of contact information. Yeah. So, um, this sh- so my show, my TV show, right now the studio is closed, okay. uh, So it's it's on hiatus, but it will be back, and I actually it might be morphing into something a little bit bigger. Okay. Um But if you want to see old episodes, that is a Um, For my scarf, you can look up coolmescarf.com for all you uh, flashing ladies out there. And then for the speaker businesses, which is really where I spend most of my time, is goleeward.com. That's G-O-L-E-E-W-A-R-D.com. And if you are a speaker who's looking to learn the business of speaking... It's path to the main stage.com.
0: I love that path to the main stage.com. What a great URL. I didn't <laughs> know that, that. I mean, I knew you, you talked about this new thing, but wow, that's, that's, that's amazing. That I, I love that path to the main stage.
1: And I'd love anyone who wants to give me feedback on my website. I did reface it. You know, everybody should be doing new and fresh right now. And my website is very new and very fresh right now.
0: Lee Hayes. I am so appreciative of you coming back as a returning guest uh, in this new time, in this new era, um, yeah, it's so fascinating. The timing we, we literally were March of last year at the start of this thing. We're now, you know, uh, live, uh, end of April and, and on, uh, You know, the audio and other uh, versions will be come out in May. Um, So we're sort of bookending this pandemic with Lee Hayes. Um, And I really appreciate you coming on. And I know people got a lot of value. Definitely check out uh, Lee with everything that she's got going on. And, you know, and especially, like I said, I met her, uh, you know, where a lot of people or a number of people I trust had amazing things to say about Lee, uh, you know, in the speaker business and helping speakers, um, you know, in the way that she talked about. So if you are – uh, you know, a uh, a speaker, and you know, n- not a starting starting speaker. You can go to her training for that. But you know, if you are a, a somewhat established speaker who's looking to be at the next level, you know, uh, and uh, you know, I want support and getting booked, um, then um, you know, Lee's Lee's a great person to go to, and and you can tell how much knowledge she has, and she's just a really like a really nice person. Like you'll like working with her. Thank you. <laughs> so, Lee, thank you so much for being uh, a return guest on the DealQuest podcast.
1: It was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Corey. It was great.
0: All right. Take care, folks. See you all next week. Thank you for joining me on this episode of DealQuest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. I want to invite you to a unique way to tap into the wisdom and experience of the DealQuest community. Join the Deal Quest Deal Den Zoom calls, a free monthly 90 minute mastermind. In the mastermind, we address all the challenges you may be facing and help support you with the opportunities that may arise in terms of deal driven growth. You will get input not only from me, but all the members on the call will collaborate and serve each other in a mastermind format. To sign up for the free mastermind, Go to www.coreycupfer.com slash dealden. That's coreycupfer.com slash dealden. I'll see you there. I'm Corey Cupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.